Welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. How you doing this week, Noah? I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing good. Doing good. Um, you know, a lot of, lot of, uh, a lot of stuff going on this week. Um, but uh, you know, NHL season uh, ended this week. Obviously, with Tampa Bay winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, so you know, I mean, good, good for them. Yeah. Not not yeah. the team, you know, I most wanted to see win it, obviously, you know, our state rivals to the north, but I mean, you know, hard to complain. I mean, they were the better team in this series. Uh yeah, and I don't even think it was it was close. No. No. And I mean and I think a big key to that for uh Tampa Bay was obviously Steven Stamkos never really coming back into the series. So uh you know, they weren't able to, to blow that with him in the lineup. But Yeah, exactly. That's why. Yeah. If Steven Samkos is playing, you know, we're probably seeing, you know, videos on you know, on Twitter of Anton Godobin with the Stanley Cup. But uh, <laughs> Exactly. Not the case. But, uh, you know, after watching, you know, all the hockey last couple months, um, overall, what are your thoughts on, on how things went in the bubble uh, and what you saw from the on ice product uh, to the way everything was carried out. Man, it was good. It was like really good. I mean, the fact that they don't get a single positive test is probably the most remarkable feat that they've accomplished here. Um, just looking at, you know, you look at MLB who had like those issues and then NFL right now, who's kind of going through that same um, problem. Um, and I mean, Props to the NBA as well for they both use the same model and it's clearly paying out. Um, it's it's a give and take situation because it's really good for you know limiting the spread of the virus, but at the same time, players and coaches might not have been so enthusiastic about staying for sixty plus days in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, we saw there was that uh, ESPN article where they were talking about. You know, they had talked to some of the players who, you know, were really feeling the effects of being in that bubble, certain things that were promised they maybe didn't get, uh, and just that type of isolation. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, you know, to me, the NHL, their priority was always everyone's safety. Exactly. Right. And I think... Rightfully so. Rightfully rightfully so. so. I think, you know, in... They were safe. No one, uh, you know, no positive tests. So I think overall you have to look at it as a huge win uh, for the league. And I mean, a league that for the most part, you know, has been 
seen as incompetent sometimes in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to see him, them get a win there. And just with the way everything was was carried out, it was and and, and the product too. Watching it as a fan, it, it looked good. It, man, from day one, I was impressed with the level of play. Yeah, the yeah, it, it's it's got to be hard, you know. Obviously, with no fans, um, you know, to to create that energy. But the players did a good job of you know playing. And we saw that, you know, from the first game to the last game. Exactly. So it, it will be interesting now, though, because, you know, with the, the playoffs now ended and the kind of focus shifts to the offseason and then to, to next season. Um, what do you think next season is going to look like uh, in terms of fans, in terms of travel? What do you expect to see? Okay, so f- first of all um... – I was in my uh, public relations class last Thursday and the professor brought up a good point is um, I don't know how accurate he was, but he seemed to know his stuff. So I'm going to believe him. He said the NHL had massive cash reserves before the start of the bubble. And basically right now is at the league level is those cash reserves are depleted. Right. So, and I have, I have no trouble believing that just given the fact that a bubble is probably fairly expensive, you would think. Um, And you're not really making a ton of revenue off of it. Exactly. Because they're, I mean, here's the thing when you look at it. um, I know I'm not answering the question, but if we just backpedal a little, the NHL had more to lose from not playing than playing because by playing they're honoring their broadcasting contracts. Whereas if they didn't play, my guess is they would have lost money to the broadcasting um, uh, partners because they weren't playing and the broadcasting contracts were for a complete season and a Stanley cup playoffs. Um, So they, from that point of view, they really didn't have a choice to play. And now you're in this situation where you need the money, but there's no fans in stadiums in sight. Yeah. Right. It's, I mean, at least North of the border, there's nothing's going to happen. Yeah. In terms of fans, that's not happening. Not even a question. Um, South of the border, I, I guess in markets like um, Dallas, maybe uh, Tampa, Florida, um, maybe you can get some fans, but that's not that's not what's going to bring in revenue, right? Yeah, to, so, to, ha- to have a building at you know, 25% capacity is not making you money. No, not, nothing. Um, so, so really right now is, and you can't, from my point of view, you can't afford another bubble. It just doesn't make sense financially. And, and I don't think players would be willing to do it either way. And players do not want to do another bubble. No. And I think they understand, like, they, you know, for the playoffs, it, I think they understood that, you know, at the end of the day, that was the only way they could do it safely and feasibly was to do these bubbles. But to do an entire season in a bubble, I, I, there's, no sh- there's no shot. No chance exactly. that, that happens. Um, so I, you're, you're kind of in this situation where, okay, first of all, we're not starting till January 2021. We know that. Um, this December timeline is completely flawed. 
Um, I w- see, and from a fan's point of view, even if the buildings are going to be empty, I want to see the home rinks, right? Yeah. I, I want to see the, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's different. Um, so it's going to be really tough, but I think that, I mean, barring the NFL going into in complete COVID lockdown, I think, I think we'll, we'll see a very similar approach. I, th- I know Bettman is against it, but I think they should do another um, shortened season. That's what makes sense in my mind. Um, wouldn't be surprised if they if they don't. Uh, that being said, but I think a sixty four game season could be appropriate. Just a little less than eighty two, give some flexibility because you have to build in these kind of um, exit strategies. Where and the fact that the NFL didn't do this is a little mind boggling, but. What what happens if you do have a positive case on a team, right? That that team can't play for at least a week, then you 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 basically have to build build in some wiggle room within the schedule to, to say, allow yeah. for yeah for for that situation because we saw that let's face it, in, it's going to happen. We saw that a lot in the MLB too because there was a lot of games that were canceled because of positive tests where you had teams playing a lot more double headers than you would expect very few days off. So you definitely have to build. But here's the thing with the MLB. Here's, here's the thing with the MLB. Um, First of all, they can do double headers. Yeah. You two, two, seven inning games, which is very helpful. Um, Then they, they go based off of win percentage. So if I'm not mistaken, you look at the Miami Marlins record, they played less games than most of other uh, most other teams. Because the league goes to, goes off of winning percentage. Yeah. Which which they talked about to for the early stages of this but is just not feasible. Um I, I'm, I'm looking it up because I, I don't want to have said anything too stupid. Um, but yeah, it's the MLB had a lot more wiggle room in that sense. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with the with the ability to do double headers, it it makes it a lot easier for that league. I think the NHL to do it, they'd have to build in like two weeks at the end and say, here's two weeks where we'll play makeup games. Yeah. Um. So my bad. Miami apparently played sixty games, but then again, a team like Chicago. No, Chicago played uh, sixty as well. A team like St. Louis only played fifty-eight. Both yeah. made the playoffs with di- a different number of games. So I don't think the NHL is willing to go that route, but that's something they have to figure out. Yeah, uh, and that- they're. That's the nice thing, too, about it is that they have the ability right now to look at the NFL and look at the MLB and say, okay, you know, what did they do that didn't work and how can we make it work to fit our our sport when we do come back? And going back, you talked about the economics of it and they had that reserve money, right? Yeah. My concern would be, you know, with the bubble, the priority was, was health first, right? They had the reserves, so it was fine. 
and they yeah. had the contractual obligations to fill. Now moving into next season where, or, you know, your reserves are depleted. You need to find a way to make money. Gee, like, is there going to be a compromise on safety w- would be the concern there. Do they sacrifice a bit of safety in order to make more money? I, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, I, I, it's as a really of, good question. As of right now, my expectation would be they start the 2020, they start next season uh, with no fans. And then I imagine they would, depending on how things go, work to phase in fans. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's another, th- it's one thing to say we're going to have fans. It's another thing to actually make it safe for fans. Um, because as a fan, you have to believe that you go there that your risk of catching COVID is not going to be any more than go, going to the grocery store. Yeah. And if you're telling me that I'm going to be in a stadium with 10,000 other people, I'm not really super quick to jump to the idea that I'm going to be super safe. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of it is just kind of wait and see where things are at because we don't know, you know, how, uh, under control things are going to be in you know two three yeah. four months we'll just have to wait and see how that goes but for, from the nhl like they need to find if, it, if it's not going to be fans they need to find a way to make some money here and that's i think that's what they're trying to figure out is that it's not going to be easy well i mean how can you make money the i mean for, i guess from a team standpoint you can sell the banners on the side of uh, the rink. That's a way of doing it. Um, but other than that, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. It is going to be tough, and I think it's going to require, you know, a lot of a lot of work and a lot of creativity to find ways to to kind of bounce back as a league. And we'll just have to wait and see how that unfolds. And I and I assume. You know, we'll know more as we get into November and December. Uh, more details will come out. But, you know, as of right now, it's, uh, you know, it, it's the off season for these teams. We've already seen a lot of movement going on around the league. Um, what do you expect to see in the next couple of weeks here as we have the draft and then uh, free agency coming up after that? It's going to be, it's going to, I mean, first of all, Tampa had like what, no breathing room in that sense is they, they pretty much went from winning the cup to immediately being in a cap financial crisis. So they've, they've got a lot to figure out. Um, here's the thing. I, I'm, ex, I'm excited to see what the viewership numbers are going to be for all those shows, um, especially the NHL drafts first round and then free agent frenzy on TSN. I think that's going to be really, really important to get the numbers up um, because when you look at the TV ratings for the Stanley Cup final, it makes you want to look away. It was some of the most horrifying numbers that I've ever seen in terms of live sports. Just, just very unlucky. They, I mean, game six – was on the same night as Monday Night Football, Chiefs versus Ravens. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, the NHL on NBC that night was 
local news segments were viewed more than the NHL Stanley Cup final. Yeah, there was just there was just so much competition going on during these finals for viewership. You have the NBA and their conference finals and finals going on. You have, you know, football going on 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 Sunday and Monday. So it is tough. I imagine I mean now there's there's going to be a football game on Tuesday when the NHL draft is on. Yeah. So that's not great there. Um but for me, I mean I I'm just, you know, I'm excited for for the off season here. Um Yeah. You know, cuz now now that everything's kind of finished up and the Panthers are kind of in a position where they can, you know, continue to make some moves here and I I imagine we're going to see a lot of movement this year. We already have seen um, quite a bit um, for Tampa Bay, especially tough because they obviously, as you alluded to, are in, you know, kind of cap hell yeah, and not a ton of time to really celebrate that victory when it's okay. At least at the management level, there was no time whatsoever. No. My approach, if I if I was Tampa Bay, my whole approach would have been, okay, we win the Stanley Cup. First three passes, Sorelli, Sergachev, Chernak. You know, maybe <laughs> drive down that dollar, that AAV on their next deal is, I don't know. <laughs> that that would have been, you know, how I, I you know. Yeah. Would have done it, but um, definitely interesting. We did get a, uh, we got, some recent news today. We got a uh, Michael Grabner being bought out uh, by the Arizona Coyotes. Which, he only had one year left. Yeah, which I think I, I think that that speaks to how poor of a financial position Arizona is in. Yeah, they have to buy out a one-year, three million dollar contract. Yeah, and I mean like. And, and it's not like the guy's like not useful anymore. Like Michael Grabner, you know, he's still one of the fastest players in the league. You know, he's still great on the penalty kill. So he, he has value for sure. They just can't afford, I guess, to pay for that value at this point. And now another team is probably going to be able to sign him for relatively cheap and, yeah. and bring him in. And you'll probably be a really nice depth ad um, for, for some team somewhere. There was Henrik Lundqvist getting bought out uh, last week as well, which everyone saw coming. Just the that, that doesn't have to do with financial decision. That's no, that is really just. It's a good thing that he's getting bought out for the Rangers because it, it just means that they have prolonged faith in their other two goalies. Which they should. Let's face it; they're going to be one of the better tandems in the league. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, to me, it just it is like a situation where I think it's good for both sides. It's just unfortunate that this, you know, terrific legacy in New York comes to an end in this way. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like... I uh, definitely agree with you on that. It it would have been nice to see it end a different way, but, but that that's the business of hockey. Yeah, it's the business. And, you know, Henrik Lundqvist, hopefully he can go somewhere... And you know, be a part of a tandem, and you know, would would be nice if he could, you know, get a ring uh, before yeah. he retires. I mean, he deserves it at this point. Um, such a you know terrific goalie. 
but you know it, it is what it is um we saw some other uh news today tristan jari signing a deal Jar, three three goalies right they have him, Casey DeSmith, and Matt Murray are all there. I'm talking about three three goalie signings today. Yeah. Uh, Elliot also signing. Uh, Great deal. Yeah. And then Robin Leonard in Vegas. Yeah, who, I mean, there we expected Robin Leonard to be back in Vegas. I think he loves it there. Oh, I think he loves it there. I think they love him, and he played pretty well. Um, countdown to Flurry to Seattle. Oh, I mean, uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the, the whole Flurry situation there in Vegas because, you know, where, where does he go at this point? Yeah. I... I... It's going to be so interesting to see. Uh, he's just – and the reality is the situation would have been the same if if um, Alan Walsh didn't post that picture. But The hilarious picture. It, from my point of view, it definitely puts a damper on the whole situation. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's also it's, – it's another situation where it's just a really unfortunate ending. Yeah. Because he's, again, Flurry, you know, great guy, big part of that team's success uh, in their first few years here. Um, he'll probably end up somewhere else. There was also, just while we're on goalie news, uh, reports of Devin Dubnik um, possibly being moved to San Jose. Yeah, and there was supposedly another trade that was separate for Ryan Donato. Yeah. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, lots of – yeah. It'll be interesting. I heard that Dubnik uh, – because he, he has a 10-team no-move clause. San Jose wasn't on it. So they could freely move him to San Jose. But I think San Jose asked it uh, – Devin be kind of involved in the process to make sure that it was something that was okay with him. Yeah, and I heard that his off-season goalie coach works with San Jose as well. Yeah. Something like that, that he worked with someone who works with San Jose. Yeah, so there's a bit of a connection there. And for, for San Jose, I mean, Martin Jones, like... <laughs> they they need to get someone else in there at this point. I'm surprised he wasn't bought out, to be honest. Yeah. But I guess um but I guess they're they're ready to do a a, a Jones Dubnik tandem. I guess so. It'll be that'll be interesting to see for sure. I mean, and who was their who was their who's their third goalie then? Who would it be? What's his name? Aaron Dell? Is that it? Well, Aaron Dell's a free agent, so I think that would mean Aaron oh, Dell okay. goes somewhere else. Right. So, uh, which is it's interesting that San Jose's making is a push for this trade because there's going to be a lot of goalies on the market. Yeah, and I think San Jose kind of identified their guy, and Dubnik's coming off not one of the better years of his career, so. 
they think I'm, I'm guessing they think he might be able to bounce back and he has a little bit of familiarity and they want somebody who's capable of maybe playing a bit more than Aaron Dell has uh, the last little while. They maybe they don't trust Martin Jones. So through that, and yeah. in San Jose's, they're, they're the team, like they're a team that they're always going to go for it, you know? Yeah, like despite, exactly. You know, they, they had a really bad year this year, but it's not like they were tanking. But they weren't they tanking. Weren't they just weren't good exactly. this year and they had injuries. Exactly. So they're, they're, they're going to be, I imagine, back in the mix next year, at least attempt to be. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the goalie market this offseason, I think, is just going to be ridiculous. Um, it, it I, I think so too. Lots of movement going to be happening. I think it's pretty safe to say Sergei Bobrovsky will still be in Florida. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a hot take. Definitely not. But uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, and then hopefully they'll find someone else to back him up, or if they believe in goalie the future, Chris Drieger. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> um, but before we move on, we're going to talk about at the end. We'll talk. And, and I- Sorry, I was just gonna say that you know Brian Elliott one year one point five million. I think that that that's what the Panthers are looking for. If if I'm the if I'm Bill Zito, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, just great value for a number two. Great value for a number two. Um, I do think one of the potential guys that could fit that would be Aaron Dell. It from San Jose, yeah. I think would be really nice. Definitely. A guy who's capable of being that one B type of goalie who you can get for cheap. And I think there's a lot of guys like that out there. Um, and I think for, for Bill Zito, I imagine it's more just, you, you see this musical chairs of goaltending. I think it's more him just kind of sitting back, being patient and seeing where certain chips fall where, and then where he might be able to get a guy uh, for a little bit cheaper because other teams have filled up their, their goalie positions. Yeah, exactly. So we will both we'll wait and see on that. Um, other news out there, a lot of stuff uh, surrounding Oliver ekman Larson. Yeah. Um, is it safe to say, do you think at this point, that Oliver ekman Larson will not be a Coyote next season? I mean, it seems to be a fairly mutual break. It seems to be like, you know, Oliver ekman larson has been there for a very long time. He's the second captain in team history. He signed a, a long-term deal there. So he, he definitely wanted to be there. But the way things have gone the last couple of years, the way his production has dropped off a little bit, I think, you know, a, a change of scenery is definitely best for both him and the team. Yeah, and he's clearly not going to win in Arizona. I think he knows that. And... Yeah it's clear that, that Arizona is very, very interested in getting rid of him because of his large contract. Yeah. I mean, at this point too, like we heard, you know, Calgary and Edmonton were two teams that were in the mix for him and reportedly he has declined to waive his no move clause for Edmonton or Calgary. Um, Calgary would have been a really good fit for him though. Calgary would have been a really nice fit. Edmonton probably less so, although they do have Clefbaum who might be out next season. 
So, mm-hmm. but for him at that point, you know, if those reports are true, that's basically management saying, Hey, we want to move you to one of these two teams. He says, no. So he knows fully the team's trying to move him. Like you can't have that guy back in your locker room at this point. He's got to go somewhere. And Vancouver is interesting because he's, he, he has reportedly been interested in going to Vancouver, but you look at Vancouver's cap situation and <laughs> would challenge any of our listeners to go on cap front, you to look at that cap situation and tell me how you make that work. And I don't think you can. Uh, I, I like he of all the teams in the league, he chose Vancouver and Boston. Yeah. Which like, don't get me wrong. Vancouver is very nice. Boston's very nice. They're very nice. I city. would love to go to Vancouver, but if I was getting. Not making it easy on the places. If he's you're going getting to. paid 8.5 million. Vancouver's great, but if you're getting paid $8.5 million, you got to be smart enough to see, hey, maybe they can't afford me, and maybe this isn't my best option. Yeah. So it's – I don't know. To be honest, like, honestly, like we're recording this on Saturday. By the time we release this episode on Monday, there's a very real chance he's probably traded by then. Knowing how these things usually <laughs> go on our podcast, we, you know, we talk and talk and talk about all these moves. And then, you know, we stop recording and they happen immediately. So, I mean, based on that, I mean, he's probably a Canuck at this point. How? How? It doesn't make any sense because Elias Pettersson is going to get capital P, capital A, capital I, capital D. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. And then Quinn Hughes is going to get paid down the line. And then Brock I think Besser- I think Hughes... Hughes has an extra year after <laughs> Pedersen for getting paid. Is that correct? Yeah. And then, I mean, but I think Brock Besser's up in that gap because I think Brock Besser signed a bridge deal. Yeah. So, you know, it's really tough when you all these guys need to be paid, and then you're still paying, uh, you know, Sutter and Louis Erickson and Beagle and Roussel and. Boy, you could just go on and on. Furland, you could just keep going. Start Tyler Myers, keep going. Chris Tanev, free agent. And you're looking, <laughs> and you're looking at a flat cap for the next two seasons. Yeah, it's it's. I I don't know how you make it work, but they'll they'll probably find a way. It's yeah. We'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um. The other, the other big defense name that's been out there a lot. We've talked a lot about Alex Petrangelo. Um, do you have any more thoughts on that situation and where he might end up? I don't know. I really don't know. I, mean, I so I was I was just having some fun the other day and I was looking at cap friendlies. Um, first of all, Detroit and Buffalo, extremely entertaining to just go look at those. Um, especially Buffalo. Buffalo is in all kinds of situations. Um, I think Buffalo has five forwards signed for next season. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And that includes Curtis Lazar. Yeah, good player. So, I, I, I'd like to see Ottawa make a push for Petrangelo. 
Yeah, I mean, right now it appears as though Ottawa is really only interested in players with the name Brown, but <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I don't expect – I think Petrangelo, and I don't expect this to happen, but I think there is a fit for him in Florida. Like, I, I see a nice fit there. I don't think it ever happens, but fit-wise. I mean, they got rid of Matheson. They got rid of Matheson. Um. And looking at, I mean, the big weakness of the team is that defense to bring in a guy like Petrangelo. Big upgrade, but don't we see it? My money, I don't know where he ends up at this point. Um, I, I have no idea. It's it's really, really interesting situation. Um, I could essentially see him go to any any team. I, I can see I can see so many possibilities, and then again, like I can see him go to Toronto. Yeah, like every team covets that you know top pairing right shot defenseman slot. There's a lot of teams that'll be interested in him. Um, where he ends up at this point, kind of anyone's guess. Yeah, it, it really is. So we will we will just have to wait and see on that front. Um, it's yeah. Very, very interesting year for free agency. Yeah, there, there's a couple – looking at the list of free agents, there's a couple intriguing names where I'm really just – you know, I look at them and I think, like, how much is this guy worth, you know? Yeah. Like, a guy like Mikhail Granlund. Like, how much is Mikhail Granlund worth? Less than five for sure. Less than five, sure. But then where do you find it? Because he's had, you know, he's not he's not super old. He's had a couple that, you know, he had a down year this year in Nashville. He's had some good years in Minnesota. You have the flat cap as a factor. So what does a guy like that get paid? And I, I really don't know. Like there's there's such a, a wide gap there where it's like, if you told me he was going to get, you know, X amount of dollars or, you know, this amount of dollars, like you could make a case for uh, him really getting paid almost anything at this point. Like, is he worth three million? Maybe. Is he worth four and a half? Maybe. Like, where where do you find that value? It's it, it's going to be an yeah interesting free agency class. And the fact the fact that they don't get that negotiation period, I think, is going to be super interesting to see. Yeah. When we saw that, like, there's been reports out there too with like Tory Krug and his, uh, his signing rights. Um, do we see? Who, who was that? The it was the the Spin Chicklets guy that said that his rights were going to get traded on Monday. Yeah, it was RA. He said they'd get traded on Monday. They didn't get traded on Monday. It's now Saturday. Yeah, which which just means if you're not an insider, don't try and be an insider. Um, uh, like, is plausible, but it. Never happened in something out. Yeah, it's. I I think it's still a possibility that his rights do get traded. Um, yeah, like absolutely. Let Let's see. Let's see if we see any of that at the trade. At uh, 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 at the, the draft. Trade, at the draft. Was um, it? Yeah, like I imagine there'll be 
typically the NHL, like there, there is, you know, a decent amount of movement at the draft. I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens this year. Cause I think a lot of, you know, the reason we see a lot of movement at the draft is because you have every GM in one place, right? Yeah. That's a, it's a big factor. Like, sure. It's cause you know, there's picks you can move and things like that. But a, a big factor is that everyone is together. So it's easy to talk, you know, amongst, you know, different groups and different uh, managers this year, obviously with things being virtual, we don't have that ability. Uh, teams won't have that ability. I imagine we'll still see quite a bit of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of hard to predict it'll be more or less than we've seen in years past. So we'll just have to, to wait and see. Yeah. But we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get to when we get there. Um, we're going to move on here. We'll talk about uh, Florida Panthers, their latest move um, in, in the draft coming up. But before we, uh, before we get there, we just have a quick promo for you guys uh, from the Bullets broadcast, uh, one of the other podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, great show. Those guys do great work, even though it's for, you know, uh, not a great team, our state rivals over there. Uh, but we'll run that promo now, and then we'll be right back talking more Panthers hockey. Do you want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bolts broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. Anthony? Anthony Nunschwander. It's, it's N-E-U-E-N. It's Neuenschwander. Anthony Neuenschwander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know, I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. Took it for two years? Oh, no. Jado yeah. took it that long. I, I took it for two years and was, like, asleep in all of German, too. Oh, you, you, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was, like, me and, I don't know, five other people, and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us while she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible class. <laughs> no, uh, we weren't a terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. Uh, I'm not going to mention names. I'm not going to call it anybody in this pod. It was Chase Crawshaw. <laughs> it was 100% not me. Oh, boy. I know a couple of those names, but, uh, yeah, it's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. And we're back. Uh, great promo there from those guys. Um, we'll, uh, we'll finish up here now. We'll talk uh, some Florida Panthers this week. Uh, they make a move. They send Josh Brown to the Florida Panthers, or sorry, to the Ottawa Senators for a fourth-round pick. Thoughts on the move? I like it. Um, I don't think Josh Brown had much of a future in in um, in Florida, um, but I, I just think that's Bill Zito trying to create some cap space and just trying to find some wiggle room because he has a lot, a lot to do and a lot to figure out in terms of what he wants to do for free agency, just who he wants to keep and who he doesn't want to keep. It, that, 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 
Uh, that I think it's but good move, good value. Um, it just seems appropriate. Yeah, like I think I think the, the value on this is is excellent for the Florida Panthers getting a fourth round pick for a guy who's kind of a fringe NHL or really, but his, his you know main selling points are that he's six foot five and you know he's, he's a big guy shoots right. So to get a fourth-round pick for that type of guy, I think represents really good value for the Florida Panthers. And I think in a draft class like this, I think you know they'll be able to get a pretty decent player with that pick. Yeah, and that being said, Josh Browns, I don't know why, but just seems like an Ottawa senator. I don't know if it's the name. I don't know if it's just his playing style, but it just fits with the Ottawa senators for some reason. Yeah, like I, I I saw that you know yesterday that trade and immediately I was like, that that's an Ottawa Senators trade like that's that's their type of guy right? He just he'll fit in great there. Hopefully he does you know really well. <laughs> um, but this move also kind of gives us uh, you know a bit more insight as to Bill Zito and his process and how he's going to approach this off season, which is to you know clear out the, the money that uh, isn't doing anything for this team. Obviously getting rid of Matheson um, was, I think, you know, an excellent move on his part. And now clearing out Josh Brown, even though it's not a lot of money, I think just gives them even the, just that extra bit of flexibility to try and do something mm-hmm. uh, in this off season. So, I mean, o- overall, I think, you know, a great first couple moves here from, from Zito. Great. Yes, I completely agree. Just makes sense. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing from him so far. Yeah, it's – I just – you know, I, we always don't have any, you know, insider information, but it just seems like he's very calculated. He's got a really good plan. He knows what he wants to do. Um his his player valuation seems excellent, um, which we mentioned is one of his you know strong points uh, in in Columbus was evaluating talent and what he has and what he doesn't have. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think we're only going to learn you know even more about what this team is going to look like uh, for the future, based on the next couple of weeks here with the draft and and free agency. Yeah. Um, with that in mind, we have so we have the draft uh, coming up uh, this week. So this is our last episode before the draft, um, which means I'm going to ask you for your projection for the Florida Panthers pick at twelfth uh, overall. Man, I let's see. I mean, looking looking at the team, I was looking at the team's prospect list the other day, and the needs very clearly right now are so so. I expect him to go um, best available, although really you could make a very strong case for drafting a defenseman. The thing for me is, if you go best available in this draft class, at the twelfth spot, you're probably ending up with a winger based on this draft. Yeah. That's probably what it is. You're probably getting 
you know, a winger, which, you know, as much as you're thinking, okay, yeah, take best player available. Florida does have like most of their prospects right now are wingers. Like they have Grigory Denisenko, they have Owen Tippett, they have Saran Noel. So as much as you want to go best player available, I think, you know, if if you're looking guy to make an impact on this team, I think you have to look at D or center as your options. So if it honestly. If Jake Sanderson's available at twelve, yeah. I, I I'd expect the Panthers to to take him. Just seems like it fits the need and the kind of quality that you're getting at that twelve pick. But it, it seems like I think a huge wild card in the top ten is gonna be Cole Perfetti. I have no idea where he's gonna go. No clue. He's, you know, I, I know people that are, they really like Cole Perfetti, and I know people that don't think he has as much upside as some of the other guys up there. I mean, just as a as a kind of indicators, I've seen him as high up as four to Detroit in mock drafts, and I've seen him as low as 16 to Montreal. Um, I don't think he go, he drops to 16. That does, That doesn't make sense, but there's no way he gets drafted at four, in my opinion. The only, like, the only case you make for him going at four, like, he is a very good player. But, like, Detroit would have seen him a lot this year, him being in uh, Saginaw, mm-hmm. where they, they would have got good looks at him. Um, yeah. So that that's the case there. But at the same time, like, Detroit got a lot of good looks at Quinn Hughes in his draft year and didn't take him. He was right down the road. Yeah. So. If – um. If either Marco Rossi or Anton Lindell drops to 12, that would be a, you know, I would take that in a heartbeat. As, yeah, the thing for me is, I think, is um, ter- in terms of guys you like, like if if Rossi, Lindell, or Sanderson are there at 12, take any one of them and I, that's a great pick. Like realistically, yeah, any yeah. one of those guys, great pick. But... If if all those guys are taken, then you're looking at the draft board and you're going, like, I don't know that there's another defenseman worth taking at 12. Like, there's a very shallow draft for defensemen. I don't see another defenseman where I think taking them at 12 is good value. Well, I mean, other than the guy, other than Jamie Drysdale, um, there is no chance. If the Panthers were to pick Braden Schneider, at 12, I think that would be disastrous. To me, like, Braden Schneider to me, and we've talked a lot about him, we're not big fans. Um, His main thing is he's very close to NHL ready, and he's physical. But I'm always very cautious and, you know, worried about defensemen who don't put up a ton of offensive numbers in junior. Like, he's put up a little bit of offense – but guys like that, I'm not completely sold on. So to take him or to take Caden Gooley uh, at 12, I don't think uh, represents great value at that pick. Um, so to me, unless they're looking to trade down, I just I, I don't see that as a worthwhile proposition. 
But see, for a team like Toronto at 15, it would it would make sense to draft Braden Schneider. Yeah. Yeah, if you're but, like yeah, if Florida's looking for Braden Schneider, like trade down and get him if you want him. Exactly, but he would not be. He's not. He's not high up on my personal draft list at all. No, and I think so. If you if you take away all those guys, we fully expect um will n- like not be there at twelve. Then you're looking at the next kind of group being, you know. Jack Quinn, Dawson Mercer. Uh, you could throw Dylan Holloway in there, Jacob Pro. These are all wingers. Um, in terms of centers, you know, there, there's Connor Zary uh, from the WHL. There's Hendricks Lapierre from the Q. Like, there's a lot of interesting names still on the board. Yeah. Lapierre to me is a band aid, and I would not go near him, but. That's just my my opinion. To me, like Lapierre, like I just I he's he's been so hurt where I haven't seen him enough where I could be like I could get a good read on him. So I don't think I'd be, you know, I wouldn't feel good about taking him at twelve. I mean, I think he has six concussions. Well, one of those concussions was di- was improperly diagnosed. It was actually like a neck issue. Okay, five. So not great still. <laughs> But so if let's say let's say we're at the draft and the first eleven off the board are some combination of Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, Perfetti, Raymond, Drysdale, Holtz, Rossi, Lindell, Sanderson, and Seth Jarvis. Who do you go with with that twelfth pick? Um, your personal, I, your personal. I pick. love Lindell. Lindell's awesome. Um, huge fan of Anton Lindell. He he's gone. Minnesota took him at nine. Hypothetically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which I think is a I great think it have to them. be Sanderson. No, Sanderson's San- gone too. Sanderson's gone too. Yeah, in this hypothetical, like all those guys in that top tier have been taken. No one's fallen. Actually, no. What do we want? Who do you think is the pick? Who do you think? On Tuesday, who do you think the Florida Panthers are taking 12th overall? We'll lock in our picks, and then we'll rewind the tape, and we'll see how close we were to being right. Let's see. I'm not picking Yaroslav Askarov. Yeah, I think, I think like, you're, you're looking at, like, even if, like, Askarov might not be there. Even if he is, like, you can't take him. If I'm at twelve, if if they're if the Panthers are at twelve, Oskarov's still on the board, and they strongly think that somebody after that, I would try and trade down with someone who wants him. Yeah, if there even even if it's just a couple of spots, like if you see a team like Edmonton who might want uh, Askarov or, or, or Carolina, Carolina, just one spot behind is that that could change. Further down, Chicago's a team that could be interested. Yes, um, and I would be very okay with that as a Panthers fan. Um, by all means. That being said, um, 
it's it's a really tough because you've got after basically after nine or maybe ten you've got like 10 players who in my mind are pretty much at the same skill level and could go anywhere from 10 to 20. Yeah. Um, you know, that being said, uh, and you obviously don't want to reach for anyone. So I like Jack Quinn. And I like Dawson Mercer. I know those are both wingers. I'm going. I would be satisfied with either one of them. Just um, high offensive talent guys, and you know, I. I think that would have to be the pick at twelve. Yeah, like uh, to me, I think you sit at twelve. You wait and see if you know a Lindell or even a Rossi or a Sanderson fall to you. And then I think if you don't, you trade down to the later teens. Don't, you know, don't go into the 20s, but trade somewhere into the, the mid to late teens um, and grab, you know, either a, a Caden Gooley type or a, a center. Um, but if you're going to stay with your pick and those guys are gone, um, I would say – I, I would make the pick Dawson Mercer. I think it's who I'd have to go with. Yeah. Um, He's six foot. He has decent size. Good offensive talent. He did not. He did not impress at the World Juniors by any means. But uh, he—he's definitely got the t- the talent's definitely there. To me, he impressed me at the World Juniors just by being at the World Juniors. Fair enough. Like the fact that he made the team, I think speaks a lot um, to, to his ability. And I think the reason he did make it is because as much skill as he does have, he's a very good two-way player. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's a nice asset to have. I think he's a very versatile player that you can kind of slot in a bunch of different areas in your lineup. Um, so I think if they stay at 12, my pick is, is Dawson Mercer. Um but we will obviously know for sure by the time we're recording our next episode. We're probably both way off. Yeah. Um, who really knows what's going to happen? It'll, uh, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. And, I mean, I guess that, uh, yes, that kind of does it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, thank you to everyone tuning in this week. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, and we'll see you guys then.
The Panthers are back.